This is the Worth Recovery Podcast, featuring women in addiction. Welcome back to the Worth Recovery Podcast, uh, a podcast featuring women and sex addiction. My name is Amy. I am your host here. I'm a sex addict and I've been sober since December 2nd of 2012 and I'm having a little bit of microphone problems. So let me see if that fixed it. Okay. I'm hoping that that fixed it. So I am excited to talk to you today about a few things. Um, So let's start with I recorded an episode uh, about a week ago called Departure, and I was talking about that a first step to connection is departure. And I shared with you some of the concerns and the issues that struggles, not issues necessarily, but struggles that I've been going through in podcasting and kind of a little bit in my life in general. And I'm so grateful so grateful to all of you who have reached out and expressed your support and your love and and just wanted to help in some way. I'm also really grateful for those of you that reached out and asked me how I was doing the assessment of my life. What was my process? How was I figuring things out? I had mentioned that I felt like I was coming to some clarity around some things in my life. And some of you asked me, how, how are you doing that? What is your, what is your process been? How have you come to some clarity there? And so I wanted to share just one thing today uh, about, a couple things, I guess, uh, about that process uh, and in hopes that it's helpful for you as well. Okay. So that's my goal today in, in sharing that. Um, so when I am struggling, um, when I am struggling and I'm trying to figure things out and I, and I feel lost, uh, there's a couple things that I always kind of rely on and I go back to. One was some advice from a therapist that I had um, a while ago. And uh, the advice was, if it doesn't seem to make sense, there's probably no sense to be had. And I, I've thought a lot about that. If it doesn't seem to make sense, if things don't seem to make sense, There's probably not a lot of sense to be had out of what's happening. In that case, right, when I got that advice from my therapist, I was talking about a particular conversation that I had had um, actually with my mom. And I was trying to recount some of the things that had gone back and forth and the emotions that I was struggling with. And this was a couple years before she passed and it was a really difficult conversation. And I was sitting in the office and I'm trying to explain to my therapist like, well, then this happened and then I think this happened. And honestly, though, like I can't make sense of the conversation. Like I I can't follow the logic and I can't recount, you know, kind of what happened. And not that I needed to recount it word for word, but I couldn't even recount like concepts like what had happened here. And then we had this discussion and then we talked about that and, and then we moved on to there. I couldn't even recount that. And my therapist told me, well, if there's, you know, if you can't make sense of it, there's probably not a lot of sense to be had. We went on and had a discussion about how 
our brains are wired to make meaning out of things. Our brains are wired to come up with some sort of conclusion, right? We don't like things hanging out in midair. We like to be able to wrap things up with, a, you know, a cute little bow and say, this is what happened and have it kind of all nice and packaged. And when our brains can't do that, there's usually some trauma involved, um, either, you know, on one side of the conversation or the other, on one side of the situation or the other, one side of the relationship or the other, or one side of, of the, um, event, event is a strong word, or one side of the, um, of the action of what's happening. And so I always go back to that. When I am struggling with something particularly, um, either a certain concept, a certain idea, a certain desire that I have that I want uh, to do or don't want to do, um, a conversation maybe, a relationship that I seem to be struggling with, I go back to this idea of like, if, if I can't make sense of it, there's probably not a lot of sense to be had, which means to me, which is a signal to me that there's some, maybe some trauma involved. Maybe there is some, uh, I'm having some sort of trauma response, whether that's a mild one or a significant one. Maybe there's trauma on the other side of that. Maybe something that I'm doing is activating some trauma. It might not even be related to what's happening. It might be something totally different in my life, but it is contributing to this one uh, piece of my life that I'm trying to, to change or trying to do or um, trying to make progress in. So for me, when I you know, have really been struggling the last year to kind of re-engage in podcasting the way that I want to re-engage in podcasting, I've had to really look at that. Okay, it doesn't make sense to me. It's something I want to do. It's something that I feel really passionate about, uh, sharing my experience, sharing the experience of others, adding a woman's voice to recovery, adding a woman's voice to sex addiction and intimacy disorder. These are all things that I am highly passionate about. They're things that I think about every day. They're things that I work on every day. They're things that I read the news about just to keep up with what's going on with women's issues. Um... And so it didn't make a lot of sense to me that I could not make this happen, that for whatever reason, I could not re-engage in podcasting in the way that I wanted to do that. I couldn't make sense out of it. I couldn't make sense out of it in my brain. And so what that was an indicator for me is if there's not a lot, you know, if I can't make any sense of it, there's probably not a lot of sense to be had, which means I have to dig another layer deeper and find out what is going on in other areas of my life. Um, is there something going on in another area of my life maybe that is somehow hitting on some trauma that might be affecting this portion of my life? I hope that I hope that, that makes sense to you um, and that you're not saying, Amy, you're not making sense, so there's not a lot of sense to be had here. I hope that that kind of helps you see for me, what, what I've been looking at, like that was the indicator for me. If there's something passionate that I'm passionate about, something that I really want to be doing, something that I, I really want for my life, uh, that I really want to give to the world, and yet I can't make that happen, then that, that doesn't make logical sense, right? And so I've got to look around and figure out what are the other contributing factors that might be influencing that for me. 
So that leads me to my second idea I wanted to share with you, which was um, the title of the podcast, which is Minding the Gap. So what I did um, when I realized like, okay, there's not a lot of sense here, um, was I did an inventory. I listed out different areas of my life, different roles that I play. I loved, um, I read a book years ago by Stephen Covey called First Things First. Uh, and he talks about the different roles that we play in our lives. Um, a daughter, a mother, a sister, uh, a friend. You know, it for me then I was like a student. I was a teacher. I was, you know, a variety of roles that I had in my life. And he talks about setting some goals and some expectations in those different areas of my life so that I could feel like I was making progress in all those areas. And that idea of roles has always stuck with me. What are the different roles I have in my life? What are the different things going on in my life, aspects of of me that I need to be paying attention to? So I sat and did an inventory of some of those areas of my life. Um, Of course, I started with like the basic ones, like I, for me, like I'm a physical person. I have a, you know, physical being, um, emotional area of my life, mental area of my life, professional area of my life. Um, I also have a sexual area of my life. I'm, you know, every, all of us are sexual beings. Um, I have a spiritual aspect of my life. So I started looking at kind of these different, um, faces of my life. Familial, that was the other one I did. I knew that there were a number. I was trying to count them and got them in the wrong order. But so physical, emotional, uh, mental, sexual, uh, financial aspect, professional aspect, familial aspect, just relationships in general, and then spiritual. So there were nine of them that I looked at total. And I took one of my coaching clients through a very similar exercise. We kind of went through it. Um, and it's, it's just a really great idea to kind of go through and say, okay, what, what do I want this area of my life to look like, right? What, what does it look like now? What do I want it to look like? And in that process of what does it look like now? What do I want it to look like? Um, I found a gap in some areas of my life. And I started to think about that gap. And so I want to start first about that gap. So I I know for me personally, I am a planner, right? I can I can write a plan for nearly everything in the entire world, I would think. <laughs> if I had enough information, like I'm not a botanist or things. But anyway, back to the point here. I'm a planner. So you tell me like I, I can envision, I can set goals, I can look at what it is that I want. I can write a step-by-step plan to get there. And I can get there, right, in some areas of my life. Because planning involves, like, the planning aspect of writing it out, making a plan, giving you step-by-step concrete actions to get there. That I can do, right? But the execution part of my plan doesn't always happen. And so I'm going to call these two things, like, kind of a a spiritual creation, because I think that that idea of, um, envisioning, dreaming, setting goals, uh, you know, deciding what you want from life, deciding what you want things to look like. For me, that's a spiritual process. And it's like a spiritual creation. I can create these things in my head spiritually, right? 
And then there's the physical creation, the actual execution of things. And that takes discipline, that takes consistency, that takes action, uh, that takes a lot of hard work to actually then physically create this thing that you've envisioned in your head, right? So I hope that makes sense to you, that you have this kind of spiritual creation and you have this kind of physical creation, right? Because what I dream in my head doesn't always, you know, happen. Now, this ties back into addiction because we, in addiction, we call it fantasy, right? This envisioning of what it is that I want, um, this fantasy relationship that I might make up, uh, this fantasy partner that I might make up. We call it fantasy. And and it's not necessarily a great thing that, or a great tool that we have in addiction. We've used it a lot to escape. Uh, we used it a lot to avoid feeling emotions. We've used it a lot to numb our, numb our emotions. And then sometimes we even take it a step further and we physically act that out. Um, I know for me, this is, a, this is a pattern that I had in a relationship that I had with a man named Steve. Um, I had a really hard time voicing what I wanted. He used to tell me that I was the most intelligent person he knew until I was vertical, like until, or horizontal, sorry, the other way. As long as I was vertical, like standing straight up, right, or sitting up, I was the most intelligent person that he knew. But as soon as I laid down, I had some trauma there, right? And as soon as I laid down, I, I couldn't speak. I literally could not talk about things. I couldn't say words. I... I couldn't come up with what I wanted. I couldn't talk about what was happening. Um, I just went kind of dead. And so we got into this pattern where I would write in an email what I wanted to have happen when we were laying horizontally, and then he would come act it out. And I wouldn't have to ask for it, and I never got past that trauma, right? Because I figured out a way around it, a little bypass there, which never really helped me in, in recovery. Uh, that's a little bit of a tangent, but you see how that plays out in addiction, right? So then when we come into recovery, they tell us like, you have to envision what you want and you have to dream and you have to know what you want and you have to set goals and you have to have, you know, this whole like plan for your life. And, and then you have to execute that and, and make it happen. And so this little tiny dial shift of fantasy turns into vision and mission and making what I want and creating what I want in my head and having desires and having uh, wants and, and, and then executing that, making that happen. A lot of these things that we learned in addiction with a little tiny dial shift um, are actually very good traits and good strengths that we have. I was always really, really, really good at fantasy. And that's such a um, hard thing to say, but very true because I was always really, really good at knowing what I wanted um, and being able to write that out and being able to like step-by-step tell you how that should play out and what that should look like and, and what I wanted. Now, when it came to the execution portion of that, I was not good. I was not good at all. As I've gotten into recovery, so that's where you see the gap, right? There's a gap between my spiritual creation, envisioning, making goals, planning what I want, 
and the physical execution of that, the physical creation, making that happen. And I found ways around that in my acting out. And then when I came into recovery, there was no bypass. I, I couldn't find a way around that. I could, I could envision and I could set goals all I wanted, but I had to actually execute myself. I had to actually make that work happen. There was nobody to do that for me. Um, I didn't have a therapist that would do that for me. I know there are, you know, sometimes we have enabling relationships. That wasn't me, really. I didn't have that. And so I had to do that hard work. Now, in some areas of my life, I learned to bridge that gap. And it wasn't maybe as difficult as I thought it would be. And because I could see the progress really quickly, it was motivating. And so I learned to bridge that gap between what I wanted and what I could envision for my life and the actual execution of that. And I learned to bridge that gap really quickly. In some areas of my life, not so much. And as I have been kind of taking this inventory the last few months and looking at my life and deciding and finding those holes, finding that gap, like in this area, particularly, I'm not great at bridging that gap. You know, and I found some areas of my life where I'm not great at bridging that gap. And I feel like maybe identifying that gap um, has triggered some of that old trauma in me. And so I've been working on that. And I've been trying to really understand why I have that gap, what it is that prevents me from moving forward, what it is that's triggering that gap in my life right now, um, and how I am going to bridge it and learn the skill set that I need in order to bridge that gap and, and move forward. We all have that gap in our life. We all have this gap of what I want for my life and where I'm at in my life. And there's and there's a lot to be said about being content with where you're at. And I think that that's an important trait that we need to learn. And that's an important mindfulness technique. And that's an important recovery principle. That's just an important principle in general is learning to be content with where you're at. And it's also important to realize it's okay to want more. And it's okay to want something different. So for me personally, some of the things that I've been struggling with is just, first of all, owning my own wants and desires. I have always had a hard time with that. I have always sacrificed. I've been, I'm the rescuer in my family and in the drama triangle, I'm the rescuer. And that is a role I took very seriously, which required me to sacrifice my own wants, desires, and needs to tend to the wants, desires, and needs of others. And as I've gotten older in life and I've gotten further in recovery, I recognize how much that didn't serve me, first of all, um, when I was uh, in, when I was the rescuer. That doesn't serve me. Um, usually it requires a lot of sacrifice. And I, I got to the point where I didn't want to make those sacrifices anymore, which is a good place to be. And at the same time, I have to own what I want and I have to be willing to say what I want. And a lot of times that is something that I have a struggle with, is saying what I want, owning what I want, being willing to put that out there to others and say, this is what I want. This is what I want for my life. This is what I want for worth recovery. This is what I want to do professionally. This is the type of relationship I want. And being willing to put that out there and saying and owning it, right? 
I've never been good at that. I've never been good at that. I've never approached relationships and said, this is what I want from this relationship. I've never approached professional, you know, jobs that I've had or career paths or anything like that and been like, this is what I want from this. And that has been a struggle for me. And I I knew that that struggle was in me and that's something that I had been working on. But it's become more acute recently as I really look professionally at what it is that I want to do with my life. And so digging into that has been a little bit trying, a little bit challenging for me to own what I want, say what I want, and and be willing to put that out there. So that's one of the personal struggles I've had is learning to just kind of own that. And then once you, there's for me, there's a lot of fear in that because once you say it out loud, then people expect you to do something about it. Because I'd, I'm not willing to live in the place before where I was before where I just lied to people or I made promises that I couldn't keep or um, because that was part of my addiction. Part of my addiction was say whatever everybody wants to hear, you know, and and maybe not execute, right? Say I'll call you, but then not call people. Like that was just part of it. And I, I don't live like that anymore. I don't want to live like that anymore. I don't live like that anymore. And so um, owning that and realizing that I... In some ways, you know, when I get on and say, hey, I'm going to release all these episodes and then I don't, that's living there again, right? And so kind of finding those places in my life where I had been incongruent, where I hadn't been living consistent, and then also the fear of if I put out there what it is I want for my life, what if I can't make that happen? And what if, you know, in the process, what if I can't physically create that? And so that fear and Um, talking back to that fear and working through that fear has been a little bit of a challenge as well. And so there's, that's just like a small example. Um, I know, I know I'm pretty kind of being a little vague here. I, um, it's really vulnerable to talk about these types of things. And even though you're not sitting here in my living room with me while I'm recording it, I think about you guys while I'd sit here and record it. And so I'm feeling a little bit vulnerable. And so I'm being a little bit vague. Um, and that's okay because uh, I, I need to be a little bit vague to just protect myself. So that is one of the, um, that's one of the struggles I've had is just that, that fear that comes up. Uh, so wanting and owning, you know, owning, not wanting, owning what I want being willing to put it out loud, say it out loud, and then the fear that comes up for me when I do say that out loud, um, and then being able to kind of dig into that fear and and look at it, and then focusing on what it is, I need, finding the plan, focusing on what I need to focus. That's also been a struggle. I feel like there's a lot of different areas where I'm seeing this gap in my life between the spiritual and the physical creation. And I want to bridge that gap. And being who I am, I want to bridge all those gaps right now, right? Like all of us in addiction. We don't want to wait. We don't want to work at it. We don't want to do one by one. We just want to do it all right now. I'm a sprinter, right? I want to change all of it right now. And so choosing what I want to focus on and focusing on that and then being consistent. Being consistent. And that is the biggest part of physical creation that we skip a lot of times is the being consistent piece. Uh, In order to physically create things, which is, hang on before I say that, which is crazy. 
because people hire me to help them be consistent, right? I think that's the other thing in this aspect that uh, in this whole process that's been hard to look at and own is just where I'm at my with my own life and what it is that I do. Um, so I am a strategic planning consultant. People call me because they need a plan and they need some help to execute it, right? And I'm a really good planner, so I can come up with a plan. And then many times they hire me to help them be consistent in the execution of that plan. And I'm also really good at that. I'm also really good at holding other people accountable to being consistent. I'm really great at it. And and so looking at the inconsistency in my own life um, brought back some of that like uh, heavy addictive uh, feeling of uh, a dual life, right? When I was when I was in addiction and I was living this total double life. Oh, oh, I hate this. When I was in addiction and I was living this like total double life, one hundred percent double life. Um, it ate me up, right? It ate me up so bad. At one point in time, I like literally ate me up. I had so much stress that I contracted a bacteria infection that was eating holes in my intestines. I mean, that's how much stress I was under. That's literally like when I say it was eating me up, it was really like eating me up inside. And so having to look at my life now and recognizing that I'm still in much smaller ways and in much um, less degree to much less degree, living a little bit of a double life because I help companies and I help organizations and I help individuals to change their life. That's that's what I do. And and yet I'm starting to see these, you know, kind of bigger gaps in my own life. And and I want to change those. So that's been why that's why some of the reasons why this has kind of been a struggle. Okay, I feel like I've rambled on enough today about all of this. So let's get down to the point here. I've identified those gaps in my life and I'm actually super excited about it. I'm actually super excited to, to kind of have this framework in my life of like, okay, I'm really good at this physical creation piece. And in some areas I've been able to bridge this gap into the physical creation piece. And in other areas, I need more skills. I need more information. I need to figure out how to make that gap, bridge that gap. But now that I know that it's there, I can do something about it. I mean, I have a choice. Before, I feel like it was just running my life and I couldn't figure it out. And I didn't even really recognize that there was a problem. Well, I mean, there was a problem, but I couldn't figure out what that problem was. Now that I know that problem and I can see it, there is power in that. And I can make a choice as to what I want to do about that. And what I want to do is learn to bridge those gaps and learn to figure that out piece by piece. And I'm excited about that process because that is the change process and that is what recovery is all about, is the change process. Recovery is the change process and it's a process that I'm going to engage in for the rest of my life, identifying that gap, learning the skills to help me bridge it, and then bridging it and moving on. And then there'll be another gap somewhere down the road and another gap somewhere down the road. And that doesn't scare me anymore. When it's not running my life, those gaps don't scare me. When they are running my life, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother question. So 
I hope that's helpful for you today to kind of understand the process that I went through. So I hope that you remember that when things aren't making sense or they don't make sense, there's probably not a lot of sense to be had. And what that means is you've got to dig deep and find the trauma or find what's going on that's causing um, there to not be sense there, right? And causing there to not be a logical pro progression. Your brain's gonna want that. It's gonna want some logic. So it's your job to figure out what's being activated in your own life that's causing that problem for you. And the next thing I did was I did that inventory of the nine different areas of my life. And you can do that too. You can sit down and write them out, whatever areas you wanna focus on, and find the gap. What's the vision that you have? Where are you at? And how are you going to bridge that gap? How are you going to create that vision? How are you going to execute that? Look at the spiritual creation piece, the dreaming, the visioning, um, and then look at the physical creation piece, the execution, the consistency, the discipline, the work. Where are you struggling? You might be in action, you might be a doer. Physical creation might not be the hard thing for you. What might be the hard thing is making a plan or envisioning or figuring out kind of where you want to be. That might be the hard thing for you. That's awesome. One of those, one of those is gonna be a difficult thing and you're gonna to need to bridge the gap between that. And it might take some help. You might need some help in order to do that. I know I have both a business coach and uh, a recovery coach that I, I work with. Um, and so you might need that too, right? You might need a therapist. You might need someone to help you see that. And that's awesome. Competent help is highly underrated. So find what it is that you need. I hope that that's helpful for you today. It's been really helpful for me to kind of talk through that process again and to share that with you. Um, I'm going to continue to talk through that process with you as I make changes, as I look at some of those gaps. I want to continue to share that because that is part of my recovery. That's a massive part of my recovery. And sharing this podcast is all about sharing those processes that I go through for my recovery. So I just want you to remember that no matter where you're at today, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter how far you think you've gone down or up or wherever, in the, to the left or to the right, whatever it is, no matter how far you think you've gone, you are worth recovery. You're 100% worth recovery. And I know that. If you don't, you can trust me until you get there. But I promise that that is the case. Remember that I think about you, I pray for you, and I love you. Until next time. Amen. stuff. The mission of Worth Recovery is to dispel shame and build hope in the lives of women struggling with and recovering from sex addiction. I am not associated with any 12-step group, religious organization, or therapeutic clinic. I am an addict sharing my own experiences and recovery.